C.S. Lewis talks about how when we are in heaven, looking back on this life, it's like when we are mature adults looking back on our childhood. In our childhood, we would skin our knees and we were in pain. Um, but as an adult, you look back on that pain with understanding. Okay, in the moment, it felt awful. But as an adult, I look back and I understand it. Hello and welcome to You Matter, a Spring Hills podcast. I'm Josh Meyer. Thanks so much for joining us today on our Going Deeper episode. Our Going Deeper episodes give you the opportunity to go theologically deeper and uncover gems of scriptural truth to enhance your spiritual formation journey. As our church grows, we want you to feel loved and cared for, and a part of caring for someone is allowing our hearts to be seen so that you can feel intimately connected to us as we love, live, and lead like Jesus Christ. Today, we are going deeper on this past weekend's sermon titled, Paradise. Today's primary scripture reference will be on Colossians 1, verses 12 through 14. And to help me go deeper with that, I have Pastor Tom on the show. How's it going, Pastor Tom? Josh, I'm doing great. I'm having a great Monday, and I'm excited about shooting this podcast about heaven and the sermon that I preached over the weekend. Absolutely wonderful. And today is somewhat heavenly, although the veil is, you know, a little thin in general, but the weather is Perfect. amazing. Perfect. And mm-hmm. I was experiencing moments of heavenness watching the football game with you mm-hmm. yesterday. Yep. Got to watch some Browns Bengals rivalry action. Myself, a Bengals fan. You are uh, unfortunately a Browns fan, but maybe fortunately for you yesterday. Just yesterday, fortunately, in general, it's a miserable thing, as is being a Bengals fan in general. Uh, kind of miserable experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really enjoyable, super fun. Uh, shout out to Doug Bessie, who made us wings. Uh, uh, as we're oh, at, in Doug's man cave watching the game together, and that was super fun. Um, I the Bengals are a great team, and I think they'll do great this year. Oh, totally. And if anybody wants like maybe decorating advice on what an ultimate man cave could possibly look like, Doug Bessie is the man for Absolutely. that. Let me tell you. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to dive into some questions and some topics related to the Heaven series. And as you can imagine, we had lots of questions about Heaven, as most people are interested in the topic of Heaven. But before we do that, I would like to ask you, what did you learn this past week while preparing for the sermon? That's an interesting question, Josh, because I I did learn some things. I like to think, and you probably think this too, that the person studying and preparing to preach maybe learns the most about the topic that they're preaching. There's, a, there's a, that old adage that if you want to learn something, teach it. Um, but interesting for me, two, I'd say two categories that really stuck out of things I feel that I learned. Um, the first one was, um, you know, Jesus is on the cross and he has the thieves on both sides. And the one thief, he says, today I'll be with you in paradise. And I had never, it never occurred to me to find the meaning of that word. That's talking about the, the, you know, if we die today, we would go to heaven. We'd go to that intermediate heaven that I was talking about over the weekend. And that's obviously what Jesus is describing. And he uses the word paradise. And so when I, when I looked up that word and saw a garden, a well-watered, shaded garden, a enclosed forest, and then heaven was kind of the definition that I pulled out. It really helped me to think about when we go to heaven, think of it as this incredibly beautiful landscape, just this incredible place. We also, I didn't learn this, but we had that idea that Jesus is going there to prepare a place for us. So there is a beautiful place for us 
in this incredible um, landscape of a garden or a forest or a mountain, or I threw up the beach, you know, eventually too, that picture, um, that it's just this incredibly breathtakingly beautiful place, heaven, that we're going to be going. You know, um, as I think about that, I, I, I don't think of it in solitude. I think there's going to be lots and lots of other people that you'll be interacting with that you perhaps have never met. We, we sing that song, Hymn of Heaven, and it has the line, uh, heroes of the faith. Yeah, for sure. Heroes of the faith right there for us to see and know and interact with, but people that we've known in our life. And um, it's a beautiful thing. The second thing that I learned, um, anything you want to say before I jump into my second thing? No, I'm just loving soaking yeah. everything that you have to yeah. say here about this. So the second thing was I, I shared that verse um, about temporary things versus eternal things. And that, you know, of course is... Second um, Corinthians four eighteen. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, and what's unseen is eternal. And um, I, I'm always drawn to that temporary versus eternal. But I really had this time. It was actually it wasn't in my sermon prep time. It was in my morning prayer time, where I was really praying and asking God specifically, what are eternal things versus temporary things? Um, and th- in that prayer time, I, I had the thought, just do a, a search of the entire Bible and, and ask the question. What things are linked with the word eternal? What what things does the Bible describe as eternal? Hmm. And I felt like I found five five things, and I wanted to share them in the sermon in context. Um, the word of God is eternal. Number one, there was eternal praise. You know, which we know we think of that as heaven. There's worship before the throne is going on and on. But uh, eternal praise, the eternal gospel. Revelation says the go- the eternal gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is eternal. It is something that as we invest in it, share it, preach about it, uh, it is an eternal thing that we're focusing on there. But the last two just really grab my heart more than the others, I would say, or as much. Uh, learn, learning that love, that, that eternal love. Um, the verse I mentioned there was about God's love being eternal. That in itself is not unknown to us, but it's beautiful to grasp the love of God is eternal. Ephesians 1 says he loved us and chose us before the creation of the world. And now he's loving us all of our lives and then loving us in eternity, in heaven. There's the love of God is there. And then in the sermon, you know, I talked about how uh, is it possible that people we love here who will also be in heaven will love them there? Is that an eternal love to focus on? Parents, parents, and children, spouses, close friends like you and I are close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that we're we're doing our life with. That 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 love. That's if we we don't focus on temporary things, we focus on eternal things. But loving someone is eternal. If if they're in heaven and you're in heaven, that, that to, to me that's a beautiful thought about that should be the focus for us. Not these temporary things that are just fleeting. And I think of, I, I think of frustrations, Josh, when I think about something temporary, like I'm temporarily frustrated about this or that or whatever, forget that. I don't want to focus on that. I want to fix my eyes on things that are eternal, that will, that will carry over into eternity. And then the last one, of course, was eternal life. Um, souls, people's souls yes. being eternal and that focus. Uh, on people, and uh, it just was beautiful uh, to learn those things. So that w- to ask, you know, what what is eternal in prayer? I asked that in prayer, and then kind of had this idea and brought it forth, you know, to have those five things being eternal. So that's the two things I learned. I think the definition of the word paradise and thinking of it in that way, and then those five things that are good a good focus for us: the Word of God, worship, the gospel, love, and then lives. Sure. Yeah. Well, for me, there were two things 
that kind of came to mind when you used the scripture verse and you talked about the eternal things first was the thing that gripped me. And it seemed like it gripped you too. Mm -hmm. You were pretty emotionally stricken by this was the eternal nature of an unborn child. Yeah. Yeah. That was really, really big for me in a few ways. One, um, it meant a lot to me that my pastor um, cares that passionately yeah. about that. But then also to speak to the eternal nature mm-hmm. of what has been conceived in the womb, but yeah. yet unborn is also eternal because that gave me a sense of hope yeah. as it directs to, you know, all the you know mothers and fathers that hope to bear a child in this world, but then had a miscarriage. Yeah. Like that hope that when we leave this side of eternity, that there is an invitation, a, a present uh, of 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 that soul, yeah, um, you know, being uh, maybe an awaken, awaiting to yeah. you that maybe yeah. that's a real, you know, that's a thing, and you know, obviously, I have questions about that. You know, sure. I'm sure a lot of people do, um, but it's I don't know, it's just something I thought about that really kind of touched my heart. And then the other thing that I thought about, particularly with this verse, and then you shared a story about how the Vikings yeah. manifest by what they want to do yeah. ended up being like in their Valhalla, yeah. their heaven was, well, I'm just going to, you know, Fight all gonna, day, party all night. Yeah, yes, yeah exactly. exactly. And I thought that was really interesting because um, it's in our human nature to probably think about what we would do because on this side of eternity, we are doers. And hopefully at the core of us, we're doers for the kingdom of yeah. God, you know, the great commission. But... Um, is there something even more beautiful in that what Paul was referring to mm-hmm. is set your eyes on the eternal. Well, the eternal is less about doing and more about being. Mm-hmm. Right. Think about the eternal being of yourself. Right. As hope. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think it's interesting that you're mentioning those things. Let me rehit on some things you just said. Yeah, so when we think about unborn souls, you know, being eternal. That was great that you brought that up. I think there's you know, probably two categories there. One is parents who very much wanted to have that child, but there was a miscarriage, like you mentioned. Mm. And then, of course, the other side of that coin would be um, unborn um, lives that are terminated through abortion. Um, And we know that's an issue coming up in Ohio. Early voting starts, I think, October 10th uh, on on some abortion legislation and some things in in our state. And um, I think abortion is always an issue. Uh, unborn life is always an issue. Mm-hmm. To think about the eternal, the eternal nature of a of a child in the womb. Um, but I just f- felt like this was a beautiful opportunity to mention that a possibility of protecting that we have a chance to to do some things, something so, as simple as voting. To me, just being honest, and I know podcast listeners might disagree with this statement. Um, I don't think of abortion as a political issue. I think of abortion as a moral issue. Um, and that, that's why, you know, I felt like mentioning it in the sermon was such an important thing to, to bring up. Um, and then I, I love what you said, um, about how we project our best day here as heaven must be like this, but it, then it feels so shallow, you know, when you, when you right. think about it, it the, the shallowness of Valhalla or, um, or, you know, I've, I've officiated a lot of funerals, Josh, and you've been to a number of them actually. Yeah. Uh, but, um, people will say it, you know, we, we, we do a funeral. We like to have people that knew the person intimately well, get up and say some words about them. And if the person was a golfer, you know, they will almost always say, and I bet they're up there right now rounding the 50. Um, and maybe they are, and, may, and maybe there is the most beautiful golf courses in heaven, potentially. Um, but at the, at the same point, it, it is a little bit of a shallow 
thought um, that it's just that heaven would only be your best day here. Um, I think it's so much more than that. I think it, I think it's so much more. And I, I come back pretty consistently when I think of heaven to C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, I can't, I don't have the quote memorized perfectly, but C.S. Lewis talks about how when we are in heaven, looking back on this life, it's like w- when we are mature adults looking back on our childhood. In our childhood, we would skin our knees and we were in pain. Um, mm-hmm. But as an adult, you look back on that pain with understanding. Okay, in the moment, it felt awful. But as an adult, I look back and I understand it. Um, I think it'll be that same way when we're in heaven. We'll we'll look back on things that we loved on earth, like like you and I watched football yesterday yeah. uh, together. We loved it. It was great. Sure. So someone might say like, oh, heaven's going to be worse than earth because there may not be football there. Uh, <laughs> but when we get there, we're not, we're not going to be thinking like, um, gosh, I really want to, um, I really wish I could just watch some football uh, because it's going to be, so, we'll, we'll be so much more mature. We'll be wise. We'll, we'll have a perspective. Paul says, now we see in a mirror dimly, then we shall see in heaven. Then we shall see face to face, meaning Jesus, but also life. We'll see life in a, in a much more clear way. Um, another thought I was grappling with about heaven was, um, something I really love on earth. And I know you do too is growing, developing, learning. Yes. Um, the idea of that being absent from heaven right. does give me a little bit of a like, oh, y- yikes. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know why there wouldn't be in heaven learning, growing, um, developing, right. l- learning, tra- travel. Certainly in heaven, traveling is going to be, especially eventually in the new heaven, new earth, we, there's an entire earth. Um, there are theories about that, which I'll get into in two weeks. But um, it's a fascinating thought about, tra- you know, you're, you've passed away, you're in a resurrected body, you're traveling, you're meeting people. It's exciting. Um, there is not a fear of death. There is not a fear of hardship or sickness. Um, but I don't think that's going to diminish the experience, you know, at all. Um, it's just, I think thinking of heaven, setting our, our eyes on eternal things is good for those who follow Christ. Good for our souls. Oh, yes. To think about that place. What do you think, Josh, about? Yeah. So when I think about the concept of growing, um, if I don't spend too much time with it, I could be a little bit like, oh man, I would still love to continue to grow. But the more I think about it, the more I think of the absolute all powerful, all knowing God that is God. And we are called to love him and we are called to pursue him. We're not going to stop pursuing him. Right. The only difference for me is I get this visual analogy of running a race mm-hmm. on this side of eternity. And it feels like as I'm running towards the finish line yeah. and let's say the direction that I'm running is growing. Yeah. Um, there's no difference between my soul and heart's desire towards growing now versus in heaven because there will all be, always be relationship. And that relationship with will be me with Jesus, who is always more knowing yeah. and more beautiful and more full of love. And I'll just be moving towards that. The only difference is, is that I won't have like heavy weights holding me back, like mm-hmm. the flesh, mm-hmm. our sin nature that we, with this vessel, you know, that we are, our souls are indwelling in at this time, we will be more free. Yeah. Right. to just run rapidly towards yeah, right. the, the the absolute presence of God's love yeah. and that now, could be cool. you, you know it's interesting too if you if you look at what the bible says about the new heaven and new earth which again we'll talk about in 2 weeks um we have we have authority in that situation we are 
uh, in a position, there'll, there'll be work that we will be given by God to undertake. Now, that's an interesting thing to think about as well. So we'll, we'll get to that later on. How about some questions from members? Let's let's grab some of those. Okay, so we do have some questions from members, and I do want to get into one of the sermon topics that you had talked oh, about. You actually mentioned yes, on the podcast, right. but we will, we will. I know we've got some sermon. We want to honor you for submitting questions. So we have a few of them. So here's the first question. In this past week's sermon, you talked about the various distractions that people have that prevent them from thinking about their own mortality. What would you say, Pastor Tom, is the great distraction from humanity setting their eyes on the eternal? Maybe even in our particular, in our culture today. Yeah, you know, let, let me answer that in a, in a couple of ways. Uh, so I, I did talk about how um, people live in denial of death. I, I, I see that all the time. People facing the death of a loved one and they've been in this denial and then it happens. And then it's like their life is uh, so affected because they didn't see the end or understand it. But then the second thing I talked about was distractions. Um, I mentioned two books. Uh, one was the book Immortal about how the fear of death affects us. The second book I mentioned, it was um, Ernest Becker's Denial of Death. It's a very interesting book. I've read it. I own it. I've read it. Um, and he talks about a distraction in that book, which I just want to bring up to podcast listeners and to you. I don't think this is the main one, but kind of, which is he says that as we attempt to deny death, distract ourselves from the reality of our death. We take everyday things and we have to make them so huge. Mm. And he uses a term in the book about how humans do this. He calls it apocalyptic romance. So go back a hundred years or 200 years. Romance was seen as, you know, weddings were perhaps arranged. You know, it was like, you know, you're going to have children, propagate your family line, so on and so forth. But in our day and age, uh, the distraction of just, of of apocalyptic romance means I have to have feelings for the person that I'm, that I'm in love with that have to be this incredible crescendo at all times. Mm. There's songs about love. There's poems about love. There's romantic comedies. There's rom-coms. Um, there's all these things about love that we have to push love to be such a huge, thing um that the apocalyptic romance means it's like i can be i'm obsessed with the love that i have for another person um and that's that's how i distract myself ernest becker would say that's how that's one way that i distract myself from from death just think about like think about the industry of like shows like the bachelor sure or or the bachelorette or or all this just like a billion shows on on netflix all about romance and finding the right person and yeah. you know, there's just one show i forget the name of it but you, you don't ever see their face you just talk to them and you know whatever love is blind i think is the name yeah. of the show. i've never watched it but I've, you know somebody's telling me about it the other day but so that's that's a distraction it's like taking something as simple as romantic love intended in a certain place and then making it like the full focus of your entire life sure. in this apocalyptic romance. But that, that's not, I don't think that to answer the question of the, the listener, the member, um, I don't think that is the biggest distraction. I think the biggest distraction without question is social media. No question. Yeah, You just grab your phone, right? You grab your phone, you scroll through it and you are completely distracted from everything going on in your life you're getting caught up in you know a a funny video or a story that's out there about somebody some celebrity or some sports person or you know something you know and you just just you just i think distraction for us the smartphone has brought many great things i'm sure i'm sure many great things but what it brought us is the ability to distract ourselves thoroughly and completely from real issues in our lives yeah, I notice a warning sign in my heart when I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and check my email. Mm. It's like, whoa, 
Yeah. Why did I do that? Why was that my knee-jerk reaction? The first thing I should do when I wake up in the morning is try to choose God. Yeah. Or at least realize that, you know, God is at the foot of my bed and he couldn't wait for me to wake up to start the day with me. Yeah. Why did I grab my phone and check my email? Yeah. That's a huge thing. One of the things that I think about, and I think you're right, it's the information overload that's taking place in our society today. And then also like the lack of awareness that we walk with each day to understand that the marketing world has made a psychological mm-hmm. um, endeavor of their entire media to pursue the assault on how can I get to you to get your attention? That's the number one most valuable thing is your attention. And so if they're pursuing it, we have to be equally um, agile in our thoughts and intense, intentful in our pursuit to say, yeah, I know that everyone else is pursuing for my attention, buying for my attention. I need to buy for his attention. And one of the things that I think about here is, is of distraction is that the first way to have a huge distraction to alleviate your thoughts from the eternal is to make your life about you. Yeah. I don't right. know who said it. I don't know who the, where the quote came from, but it, but it basically said, if you are the most important part of your story, then you'll never find the purpose in your life. Right. And Jesus said that if you want to have life, you have to right. give up, Yeah. you know, you have to die to self. And so when, in order to really be aware of the fact that there is an eternal, um, um, uh, a little flashlight on your car meter that says check engine yeah. it you, you know you can ignore that check engine sign by focusing on anything except for the engine and the engine being your soul i guess in this analogy but the reality is is, is that when you focus on christ he's going to yeah. show you right. the check engine light which is the yeah eternal. let me let me jump in with a couple of thoughts on what you're saying which i completely agree with a thousand percent um one of them is and you, you kind of just mentioned this a good way to think about that verse about temporary things and eternal things, we we talk about, this is an idea from John Eldridge, um, the small story and the big story. The yeah. small story is me. It's my, my day, my life. It's a small story. The big story is what God's doing. God is the hero of the big story. I'm the hero of my small story. Two, two more things to mention about distractions really, really, really fast. Um, one is um, money, money, earning possessing having sure getting money i think becomes a massive distraction for us and then work um ernest becker in denial of death says that um he quotes nietzsche actually saying that one day men will worship money as they currently worship god um mm. what an interesting thought that given given to us a hundred years ago uh a wow. hundred years ago people were worshiping god and he's saying one day they'll worship money like today they worship god secondly um is the idea of your work if you to, de- to deny yourself and distract yourself from your mortality people have to make their work monumental work addiction or getting getting all of your um meaning and worth and purpose from from the work that you do and the money that you earn is a way of distracting yourself from the reality of death. Sure, and busyness. And busyness. Just sheer Certainly. busyness. Yeah. Have another question from a member. All right, let's do this. All right, so if another question from a member. In your sermon, you talked about how we will not know much about what we will do in heaven. Okay, I guess we already addressed that question. The question that the member is asking, um, is it more important for us to focus on you know, the ideas of what it would be like to be like, is it, is it good to the fact that we don't know so that we would have joyful anticipation? So member, thank you for that. Uh, it looks like we did kind of address that in the beginning of our, uh, well, I'll just say episode. one last thing about, um, I, I, I do think it's good that we don't know, but I think it's good that we understand we can't know it's, it's too great for us to know. 
now what it's going to be like. Um, so I think it's a great question from the member, most certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great question. One of the things is, is that when you know, it's, it takes away from that, the beauty of faith. Yeah. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, and so we always want to have a tendency to know what's going to happen tomorrow or, you know, what that big deadline is going to look like. And the, but God meets you relationally Mm -hmm. in your non knowing and he wants you to be joyful in what he has for you. So yes, in that way. So we'll go ahead and go after one last question and then we'll go over your topic for today. Um, and that is when we stand before Christ and give an account at the end of our life, when we, um, when we have the capacity, will we have the capacity to be shameful or sorrowful? Yeah, I would, I would say, so we, we, we understand in the Bible that this idea of standing before Christ in second Corinthians chapter five, this, the context of that passage would indicate that is immediately after your death. So you, so that's all about, you know, a temporary tent versus a house. And then to be present with the Lord is to be absent with the body is present with the Lord is Paul's context there. And then that very natural verse 10 comes in to say, and we will all stand before the judgment that before the, before Christ, the judgment seat of Christ. So I I would say 100% yes. Um, the later point when you go past that moment into heaven and it says, um, th- there'll be no more sickness or death or sadness. That's actually in the new heaven, new earth at the, at the end of revelation. Um, I think, I think in that moment of standing before Christ, you will have the capacity for joy and happiness, fulfillment. But I think there's also going to be a possibility of looking at your life and feeling a little bit like, oh gosh, I, I'm, I'm now recognizing I probably should have focused a bit more on my family, or I probably should have focused a bit more on on pursuing Christ with my life. And yeah, I think I think that will be a natural thing to feel a little bit of uh, uh, you know frustration with yourself or disappointment or or um, some conviction at least. Um, and I think that's a gift that God gives to us. So yeah, I think it's possible that there could be some negative thoughts there. People people do like to say like there's no there's no crying in heaven, but the verse actually says he will wipe every tear from your eyes. So you were crying. Right. <laughs> you were crying and now he's wiping the tears from your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it 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 does go on to say eventually in Revelation 21 that you know there's no no sadness and no death and no you know that but that's the eventual state. I think in the in the intermediate there may be at least in that moment as you're sure. as you're looking at it. You know, I mentioned something I think at eleven o'clock sermon I brought in this idea of, of near-death experiences, and I know that's a controversial idea, but what I f- learned this week about them is that um, a, a high percentage of near-death experiences involve a life review. I never, I ne- I'd never heard that before in my life. Um, a life review means you you are in a coma or you're on an operating table and you die, and you have this experience where you some many of them meet Jesus actually, or they're, if they don't know Christ, they meet a man who glows white. It's it's a fascinating thing to read those accounts, um, and then they see a review of their life. They actually see scenes from their life, and they have memories come back. And there is some, there is some in those cases, uh, regret or uh, some negative thoughts that are there that they. But then they come back, you know, in the in a near death experience. But that, we don't have to go into all that. Um, I know we got one more thing we definitely want to get into today. Yeah. Definitely. Let's go ahead and do that. So in your sermon, you talked about how you would like to review Colossians 1 verses 12 through 14, and I'll read it here and then I'd love to dive in. So it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
So the reason why I wanted to cover that in the podcast was because this is in a section of the sermon where I was talking about, it says in Hebrews chapter two, that um, Jesus frees us, uh, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. So my second fill-in in the sermon was that we overcome a fear of death by really understanding our salvation. And I wanted to show two verses on that, but the sermon was a little bit long, so I only showed Jesus, you know, saying, if you believe in me and who sent me, you've crossed over from death to life. But this Colossians passage that you just read uh, says the exact same thing, but it's a little bit more poetic. Um, not that Jesus wasn't poetic in what he was saying, but Paul says, you know, we've been delivered from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he's left. It is, it has happened. And I was trying to say in the sermon carefully, um, no one believes that someone prays a prayer one time, um, doesn't, their life doesn't change. They keep living the same old way. No one believes that person has eternal life. But we right. do know that eternal life comes to us as we pray with faith, giving our life to Christ. It's, it's at that moment that we are changed. Then we see an evidence that that has genuinely happened because our lives change, because we see a hunger for God. We see a pursuing of, of, you know, righteous things in our lives. Um, and so I think it's important to really believe that, to, to know I will lose my fear of death when I really understand the depth of my salvation. Something you and I talk about a lot is the journey from your head to your heart. That, right. that knowledge of I am, I have accepted Christ. I am in Christ going from my head all the way to my heart will probably be, be evidenced by, you know what? I'm not afraid to die. I've, I've, I have been like this verse in Hebrew says freed from the fear of death because I know that I know Christ. Mm-hmm. I also know I'm not perfect. I also know that I'm not, uh, may, I may have any number of mistakes on any number of days, but I have that secure knowledge that I am in Christ and I don't have to be afraid to die. I can, I can even be joyful about the continuation uh, of my journey on this side of eternity and then on the next side sure. of eternity. Um, a comparison for me, Josh, I have done, I mentioned in the sermon this too, done a lot of international travel 30 times. I've been overseas on mission yes, trips. Yes, you did talk about that. And uh, the night before I leave on a trip, especially going to a place I've never been before, I just get so excited about, I'm, I'm going to see something brand new. I'm going to meet people I've never known. I'm going to have this experience. I'm going to see it, what it's like. Um, I, I would love it if our listeners and all those in Christ had that feeling about death. Yeah. I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to. I want to, I want to live this life as fully as I can for Christ and for others, my family and so on and so forth. But I want, but when I think about death, I want to be like, wow, I'm going to, I'm going to see. I'm going to see things. I'm going to know people. I'm going to have this rich adventure with God that will exceed all my expectations. Mm. And that's a good view, I think, of thinking about death and being freed from the fear of death. You have been delivered from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. And the inheritance of the people of life is your inheritance. And you've been forgiven of all your sins. That's mm. my that's my thought uh, to kind of end the podcast on today. Any reflections on that, Josh? No, I don't have any other questions today. Um, I thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this topic. People really care about this and yeah. people do want to know more about heaven yeah. and as much as we can possibly learn. So thank you so much for stewarding us and shepherding our hearts down this pathway. And on the topic of shepherding our hearts, will you please lead us out in prayer? My pleasure. Father God, we thank you for this chance to talk about heaven and just kind of review the sermon from this past weekend and think about all these just kind of amazing things, God, that that you've allowed us to conceive of and think of and and 
uh, consider. And so, God, we just I pray for those who listened today that were blessed and that you, God, would have uh, just allow them to continue just thinking about uh, heaven to setting their mind on not the temporary things, but those things that are eternal. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.